This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. All right, we are back again. Like, uh, is that the Backstreet Boys who did that? Yeah. Back again, like that. Backstreet's back, back again, like that. That's what we are right now. Yeah. We're back. And this is <laughs> Main Corpse, and I'm Matt. And I'm Kelsey. And today we have, I don't, I have no idea what Kelsey has in store for me as far as the story goes. Um, I know she said it is extremely extensive and there's a lot of information on it, so really excited about that. What I'm more excited about, though, is we have finally hit my wheelhouse as far as food goes, which is um, old school southern barbecue. And we got it from a local place called T&M Barbecue and Grill. Um, they were nice enough to uh, to hook us up with a half chicken and half pulled pork platter. And when I say half chicken, it's literally half a chicken sitting here correct yeah it's like half a gosh darn chicken sitting here um and we also got two sides um i chose the mac and cheese i got the jalapeno corn yep and uh we both got cornbread which i'm just gonna tell you ahead of time we've all we've we've already both tried we're not no spoilers yet and we have four barbecue sauces to try we have an alabama white barbecue sauce mm -hmm. we've got their regular barbecue sauce they're bourbon, and they're hot, which I will say is actually hot, and I appreciate that. Are these all made in-house? <clears throat> these are all made in-house to my understanding, nice. and I know that uh, it took a minute to get the food because the mac and cheese is also made in-house. Everything is made fresh to my understanding, and uh, they were in the middle of making it while we were there. Oh, so, that's awesome. Um, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Let's start with the chicken because that's all I want to do. Uh, she didn't even ask. She just started... Grabbing chicken and, and dipping it in white barbecue sauce. So, here we go. It's so good, though. I get why they said it wouldn't pair with the pork. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Very strong mayonnaise flavor to it, but, like, not in a, Gosh, like, mayonnaise way. It's so juicy. Mm -hmm. um, it is incredibly juicy. Um Really nice smoky flavor without being overbearing. Like it's got some smoke to it, but it's not crazy, crazy intense. It's got a nice I've, bark on it too. Yeah, I've been to some places. You get the chicken, and it is it this is just a puck of smoked meat. <laughs> like it's it's just gone. And yeah, that Alabama white sauce. This is the first time in years that I'm trying one of those. It is really tangy. Mm -hmm. It does have that mayo back back taste to it. And I really like it. I do too. <laughs> it's super peppery and really, really good. See, I was going to get, before we decided to order the platter, I was going to mm -hmm. get the chicken sandwich and just mm -hmm. smother it with this. I gotcha. Because down in Alabama, that's how they make theirs. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I could eat like six sandwiches of just that. And it's, guys, it's seven ninety nine for a sandwich and a side. And we were in there waiting, and their sandwiches are like... The size of, uh, of footballs. They're huge. They're big sandwiches. So, good on them. Yeah. I see you went for the cornbread. I'll do I the did. same. It's palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's got a really, like, spongy feel to it, which is nice, in more of a corn cakey kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's soft, and it doesn't have, like, that crunch that I want in a generally, yeah, yeah, from a cornbread. Yeah. The taste and the texture I'm down with. 
Yeah. The um that well no the, the taste and the grain I should say. Mm -hmm. So the taste and you can if you rub it against the um, top of the roof of your mm -hmm. mouth you'll get the grain of the cornbread which I love. But I agree with you like I like fresh cornbread that's really crispy around the edges and and kind of not as fluffy as this. This is more like a corn cake. You're totally right on that. I'm a little biased too because I put actual like creamed corn in mine when I'm mm -hmm. making mine, so it's got more texture. So yeah. That, that said, this is good. Yeah, it's not bad. Like I said, it's not bad at all. Um, the chicken, on the other hand, is some of the best Amazing. smoked chicken I've ever had in my life. I'm going to actually have some more of that right now. Mm -hmm. I know you guys are probably like, are you going to eat anything else? No. The we found the one no, thing. It's that amazing. I but I'm going to try a different barbecue. Oh, my God. Have you tried the bourbon barbecue yet? Nope, but guess what I'm going to do right now. You should definitely do that. Yep. It was nice that we like separated this a little bit, and now we're just like both going for closest food. Oh my lord! Mm -hmm. Yeah, that bourbon sauce is—it's uh, nice and sweet and smoky. Yeah, so um, good. A little bit, a little bit of spice, but not like in a way that some. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like very lightly spiced, mm -hmm. just to give it extremely lightly spiced. Uh, yeah, it, it's but it, the bourbon is really in the forefront of it, which I like. Mm -hmm. You really get that bourbon whiskey taste. Wow! Yeah, really good. I'm gonna try the pulled pork. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and go down that road real quick. I got a nice barky piece right here that's been calling my name. And I'm going to try it with their regular barbecue sauce first. It's got more of a vinegar tang behind it. You tried it already? Mm hmm Yeah, I just put it on some chicken. But I'm going to try it again with the pork because I want to. Oh, that pork is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's got a little bit of a vinegary bite to it. Um, very sweet. Mm -hmm. Like, almost to the point that I... <laughs> it's a little too sweet for me. It needs a little more spice. Um, but it's a really good sauce. I can see where your average Joe walking in off the street would enjoy that barbecue sauce. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Alright, spicy barbecue now. By the way, the, uh... The pulled pork is like pork spaghetti, which is the oh, way it should perfect. be. It's so good. Uh, and it's, it's really... Again, it's really, really juicy, which I'm shocked by a lot of places their pulled pork gets really dry mm. boy not here now you said they had a really good setup with their smoker they do yeah that's so good it's got just enough spice in it mm -hmm. that i absolutely love spicy stuff so i'm down for this all day mm. how do we feel about the mac and cheese i need a minute <laughs> it's too spicy oh it's so good it's so good it's Eat some of that cornbread It'll oh take some my of the god! Spice out of your face. That is so good. Mm -hmm. That's really delicious mac and cheese. I it is. It's a really good texture. It doesn't have that weird like. I'm gonna church gathering mac you. and cheese yeah, flavor. Thank you. <laughs> like yeah. a, like really bad churchy gathery. Uh, it doesn't I've have any there. kind of breading on top, which I prefer. I don't like me breading. too. Me too. I prefer if you're gonna bake it, cheese on the top mm. of it instead of make bread. Crunchy instead cheese. of bread, yeah. So make mm. the crunchy cheese. So I, I'll be I'll be real. I'm looking at you to the and by by you I mean the staff at TNM uh, Barbecue and Grill. Mm. I was I was skeptical of your mac and cheese when I saw it because I prefer a baked mac and cheese that's been kind of mixed. The texture is perfect. It's so good. Yeah, it's I don't know how they did it. It's super creamy. Um, the texture of the actual pasta itself is done just right. It's really, really good. It's very, very good. Yeah, I'm really, really impressed. I regret sharing it with Michael now. Same. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, Brittany didn't deserve this. <laughs> yeah, we sent them with a plate. A single, mm -hmm. very small plate. 
my god, the smoky flavor on that pork is just out of this world. Yeah, um, now I'm I'm torn on what I would rather have every time I go there, and I'm going to have to try other stuff, which sucks, uh, because I want this every time. No, they had a um, catfish that I want to try. We're going to have to go back. I love smoked catfish. Uh, there's a place in Morgantown that um, is still my favorite barbecue place in the area called Woodburn Shanks. I haven't been there yet. Man, they do catfish right. But this place, this place is really impressing me. Yeah, this mm. is a new... Because we've had so many barbecue places come and go around here that have just been not great. Yeah, I was about to say, there's a, there's a little lingering piece in, the, in that one, too. We can't let it go to waste. Yeah. It's too good. The silence should tell you everything you need to know about how we feel right now. All right, do we want to try this corn? I feel like the corn's going to be underwhelming. Yeah, after point. everything that we've gone through here, the corn, uh, poor corn, is over here playing second fiddle. But let's give it a shot. It's got big chunks of jalapeno in it. I don't know. The flavor's really good. It's got mm-hmm. a little bit of butter. It's got really good seasoning. Man, that's good, too. Michael's probably choking because it's kind of spicy. That's really good, too. Yeah. So, you know what I like the most about it? I've had a lot of corn dishes where they try to put something in there with it, mm-hmm. like peppers or whatever else, and the peppers get lost mm-hmm. in the corn. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you, you don't get the texture, and that, you get everything. Mm-hmm. Dig in here <laughs> for some more of this amazing chicken. Yeah, guys, we're going to sit here and eat a lot today. So, um, yeah, so just we apologize. <laughs> you're, you're getting mostly just us stuffing our faces here. And because th- this chicken is worth going mm-hmm. back for every time. Yeah, I know you came for murder, but you get to listen to me too. The, uh, the white sauce. Can we just say that's the most impressive thing in this whole meal, I think? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. But all of this is just, if you want, like, down home, local barbecue that tastes good mm-hmm. and the sides are good and everything is pretty i don't know it could stand alone oh yeah like if i got a sandwich with this on it i'd be so happy mm-hmm. yeah the only thing that wasn't super impressive to me was that cornbread and that's just i think that's more a local thing than anything yeah so i think that would that's more or less the cornbread and that's popular let's let's be honest cornbread is such a such a everybody's family has a cornbread recipe Mm -hmm. and they have their preferred way of eating cornbread where i come from you make the cornbread in like cast iron and Mm -hmm. when it comes out it is crispy on the edges um it is soft only in the middle the rest of it every time you take a bite you hear a crisp you know what i mean you can hear the bite that not so much if the flavor is right and the texture of the actual bread is right it's the the crispy crunch that it's missing Mm -hmm. to me what do we think overall overall thoughts on uh TNM barbecue and grill. I regret not going there sooner. This is one of this is the first place neither of us has eaten. Yeah, yeah, neither of us. Well, no, no, you tried Hello Vietnam. Never mind. Yeah. So yeah, I am um, beyond impressed. I'm really, really, really impressed with this place. Um, I am not going to say it's the best we've had on the show because we all know how that turns out. <laughs> and. <laughs> I am going to say this is this is maybe one of the biggest surprises because and this is not a knock on TNM barbecue and grill. I think me and Kelsey me and Kelsey both expected this to not be great. I don't know why. I think we both expected this not because we've been burned on barbecue places. Yeah. I, I've been burned many times on barbecue places, so I really struggle to go to a new one and give it a chance. There's too many people in the area that open up barbecue places because how hard can barbecue be? The answer is hard. Yeah, if you don't <laughs> know what you're doing with so you know, the history of barbecue is in tough pieces of meat. Mm-hmm. I mean you take a tough piece of meat and you make it 
you make it palatable, you make it edible. Some people can't not cannot do that. <laughs> some people <laughs> some people take a tough piece of meat and uh, turn it into jerky. It's somehow tougher and, and make it worse. So yeah. So, uh, well done, well done, TNM mm-hmm. Barbecue and Grill. You are going to get a second part. I just feel it in my soul. Uh, you're going to get a part two because we have to try the sausage. Absolutely have to try it. And the the lady working there, the mm-hmm. lady taking the orders, I point blank asked her, what is the best thing you have? Here, like if you had to pick one thing, what's the best thing you have? She paused for a second. It burned us before, but hopefully. actually thought about it and was like, "I don't know." And I was, I was like, "Right now, if you had every meat in front of you, which one would you take?" She said, "The ribs." Are you a rib fan at all? I love ribs. Me too. Um, the other thing that they have that I did not get this time, but we're gonna have to do it. They have burnt ends. Yeah, oh, and I love me some burnt ends. So we are gonna have to try their burnt ends. Knowing how good everything else is, absolutely. Um, and like I said, we want to try that catfish. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, when I go to a place, I normally try their burger because the way I look at it is if you can screw up a burger, I don't want anything else. Um, pulled pork is the first thing I try at a barbecue place because mm-hmm. if you can screw up pulled pork, the rest of your stuff's going to be awful. Uh, they nailed it. I mean, they they passed with uh, with flying colors. And I'm oh, going to take sure. a little bit more of that. Yeah, you better because yeah, I'm going to sit here and eat it all. Uh, um, There's so much more under here. Oh my here. god, look at how much... She, yeah. So she just picked this up. She picked up the chicken, and underneath it is a whole nother helping of uh, of pork, uh, pulled pork. So, my lord. I am so excited. This is such a good idea. I know. Guys, the hot is hot hot. Um, it hits mm-hmm. you in the back of the mouth really hard. It is so flavorful, you can't mm-hmm. stop them. And the lady did say the hot is extra hot today because they made it too hot. So apparently their hot is normally not that hot. Oh. Um, well, yeah. I really like it. Which is which is a, a problem for you because you're sitting here like, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait to get this again. Ooh, I don't know what you are, but you're coming with me. I just now saw the dark meat and had to make a run at it. I have to stop eating this. I'm literally cooking for us to have, like, dinner here in a little bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> me and you are going to just be staring at our bowls, not, not wanting to eat. Sucks because I really think this is going to turn out really well. I also nabbed us some cheesecake from dinner last night. Nice. Yeah. My overall, they blew away my expectations. Yeah. 100%. Good job. It's good job. Really good. Well, they'll get a special shout out. So, thank you, TNM Barbecue and Grill. Just by the way, they are located on 795 West Main Street, Bridgeport, West Virginia. Give them a shot. They are mm-hmm. relatively new, and their rating is a pretty robust 4.8 on uh, on Facebook. So, Whoever rated them under a five. Yeah. Deserves to be slapped. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, the only thing that I thought was underwhelming, I'm right there with you, was the... Uh, and it wasn't bad. It was just in comparison to how to great everything, everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if that was your opening act, mm-hmm. then that's a good opening act because you, mm-hmm. you know, you just warm up the palate and... And it is, I will say, with everything else, like if you're eating it with the chicken or if you were to put some Mm -hmm. pulled pork on top of it and maybe Mm -hmm. break it up like that, it'd probably be really good for that. It just... It's a nice palate cleanser between two. I've been to barbecue joints where the the cornbread was the reason I went there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was like made by angels. So, all right. Good job, TNM Barbecue and Grill. So now let's see how uh, disgusted I get. Yeah. You know what? I I get why people listen to our podcast and go, oh, that's exactly what I want with my food murder. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, why not do two things you love? So have you ever heard of Angels of Death? Nope. 
Okay, so an angel of death is a caregiver, usually a medical professional, and often it's nurses who kill patients or people in their care. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Awesome. Okay. Everything was kept quiet until the media began to dig into what was going on. Um, While the VA was aware of what was happening, the families of the victims were not aware until authorities came to their doors looking to have their loved ones exhumed. Even then, they weren't entirely informed of what was actually happening. The Inspector General at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs released results of an investigation that reported serious, pervasive, and deep-rooted clinical and administrative failures, which allowed the killings of veterans to go undetected. Archie Edgel died March of 2018, four days after being admitted due to problems he faced with his dementia. Within two days, his blood sugar plummeted to a dangerously low level. After autopsy, the medical examiner concluded the circumstances of his death were strongly suspicious for unprescribed insulin administration during his hospitalization. His death was ruled undetermined. So now that you bring this up, I I do know what you're... I know the story you're going with here. Um, yeah. And, and you're totally right. I knew what an angel of death was. I, I, was, I was like, wait, okay, never mind. That's what they call him. Okay, go ahead. All right. William Holloway died April 8th of 2018, a few hours after his family was told he was doing better. For months after his family believed that he had died of septus. In the fall of 2018, federal officials requested to exhume his body. Holloway was insulin dependent and diabetic. In the days leading to his death, he had a severe case of hypoglycemia for over a 30-hour period. The medical examiner that did the autopsy on his body said that the cause of death was highly suspicious, but still ruled it undetermined. Felix McDermott was admitted to the hospital with pneumonia. Three days later, on April 9th, 2018, he passed. His body was exhumed and autopsied in October. The medical examiner who handled his autopsy ruled it homicide by insulin injection. McDermott wasn't a diabetic. George Shaw died April 10th of 2018, Roughly two weeks after suffering an unexplained drop in blood sugar, his body was exhumed and sent to Dover Air Force Base for an autopsy. The medical examiner found four injection sites that all tested positive for insulin. Shaw had no history of diabetes. His death was ruled homicide by insulin injection. John Hallman was admitted to the VA with liver problems and signs of pneumonia. He died the next morning, June 13th of 2018, he did not seem to be in critical condition and was not admitted to the ICU. No autopsy was conducted on him because he had been cremated, but investigators did have medical records showing that his blood sugar dropped dramatically before he passed. The murders stretched from July of 2017 to June of 2018, but they were kept under wraps. I don't generally go through every single person that a serial murder has taken the life of in that way but I want I really wanted to be specific with this today because this is so crazy and it affected all of us this is this is the VA that my grandfather goes to that my grandfather my other grandfather died in which he wasn't a part of this thank god but like this is very personal to me as a Mm -hmm. case and I feel especially because they're veterans and this is not going to sound anything like me because I'm so fuck authority Um, but these men did so much and did the best they could with the knowledge they had 
for us and our country and themselves and their families that it's just completely baffling to me yeah that someone working within the system could ignore them to that degree yeah and could and could do I, i don't know it's like you hear, there there are a lot of serial killers that that we have talked about that we've never had that we've never put on this show before, and this is one that I don't know why it's so shocking to me, and I think it is because you you expect veterans to receive a certain amount of care, and when you hear things about the VA, it just seems extra shocking. It just seems so much more diabolical. That's the thing about it. We already don't do enough for mm-hmm. our veterans medically, psychologically, we don't take care of them in the way that we really should be. The majority of our homeless population, especially in this area, it's homeless vets. Like, we don't do enough for them, but we ride on the backs of everything they've ever done. And I just, I don't know, this is really, really frustrating for me the further we get into this. Um, Authorities began investigating the string of 10 suspicious deaths of patients. Representatives of the VA hospital said that the hospital acted swiftly. Immediately upon discovering these allegations, Lewis A. Johnson VA Medical Center leadership brought them to the attention of the VA's Inspector General while putting safeguards in place to ensure the safety of every one of our patients, the hospital spokesperson uh, Wesley Walls wrote in an email. Five days after John Hallman died, and he died in... June of 2018, five days after he died, is when doctors informed the hospital's quality management team that there were eight patients that had experienced unexplained dangerously low blood sugars. Think about this. This has been going on since 2017, and almost a year later is when they acted swiftly. Yeah. Eight days later, on June 26, a senior official for the VA was informed about the suspicious deaths. Agents of the Office of the Inspector General arrived on July 2nd of 2018. Senator Manchin was informed on July 5th. By then, the number of cases had gone up to nine. The Office of the Inspector General acknowledged an investigation of potential wrongdoing resulting in patient deaths. On July 5th, Manchin's office was notified that at least nine patients had been diagnosed with significant hypoglycemia with unclear cause over the previous nine months and they were opening an investigation. July 6th, the director of the Clarksburg VA hosted a call with the West Virginia congressional delegation and reported the following. On June 18th, several doctors reported eight episodes of low blood sugar with no medical cause to quality management. On the 26th, the quality management team elevated the issue to Dr. Snyder, who called the undersecretary Steve Young at the VA central office. July 2nd to 3rd, seven VA inspector general staff came to Clarksburg to investigate. On July 10th, Manchin sent a letter to the then acting secretary of um, the CA expressing serious concerns over suspicious deaths. He also very clearly stated that he expected the VA leadership to at every level cooperate with the investigation. 
August 29th, Senator Manchin sends a letter to Attorney General Barr requesting that every Department of Justice <coughs> resource be used in the suspicious deaths investigation. Attorney General Barr assured him that the Department of Justice would provide every resource to the investigation. McDermott's daughter, Melanie Proctor, was quoted in saying, It's just not right. I thought my dad was safe there. McDermott's death was only one of the ten that were being reviewed. Investigators said that the victims were all about the same shape and they had all received suspicious doses of insulin. As of August 2019, they had a person of interest in the case. We really trusted them, that they would do whatever they could to make him well again. It was unbelievable and heartbreaking, the daughter of John Hallman, Debbie Cutler, said. The case was originally reported by the Clarksburg Exponent Telegram. The story grabbed the attention of Senator Manchin, who then spoke with the VA officials. They assured him that the person of interest was no longer in contact with any of the patients. As a member of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, I will do everything in my power to investigate these accusations and get to the bottom of what happened. These families and loved ones deserve answers as soon as possible, and I will make sure they get them. Manchin stated while they were um, working on the investigation, all of the men, despite them all being over 80, were stable, awaiting release before they had a severe drop in blood sugar and passed. Yeah, yeah. this is this is a tough one. This is really hard to listen to because it. I, I remember when this was active. I remember when this was happening. I remember mm -hmm. when that story dropped right. um, in Clarksburg, and it was it was shocking. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it really was. It was you you knew something was going on because you had heard some rumblings about it. Um, I knew some people who were working at the VA at the time, not not as nurses really? or anything like that, but I knew a couple people who worked there, um, and I remember them telling me, hey, something weird's going on. Like, there are people over there we normally don't see there. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is before all of it came out. Uh, and it, man, what a, what a scary, scary thing. Uh, and what, a, what, how would, oh my gosh. And your grand, your grandfather, both of them went there. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, that's, that's hard to believe. It's really hard to believe someone got, got away with it for that long. Over a year. That's, Over a that's year. insane to me. And you're you're saying like they investigated ten different cases, so mm -hmm. ten different people. Wow. Okay, you can continue. I'm just blown away by this. So attorney Tony O'Dell um, represented five of the seven cases. He said he learned that insulin was not properly locked up, a potential VA violation. Any person would have been able to take it off an unlocked cart and use it however they wanted. Three of the deaths occurred on three days in a row in April of 2018. The VA may have violated West Virginia law by not immediately calling for autopsies. Dr. Glenn Snyder, the director of the VA, wrote a column in the Exponent Telegram saying that the VA is fully cooperating with the investigation into the matter, stating that veterans are safe at the Clarksburg VA Medical Center. Allegations of misconduct against veterans do not involve any of the current employees. The person of interest who was being investigated is someone who was removed from their position at Clarksburg. He goes on to say that they have put in place safeguards to enhance the safety of patients, including medical chart audits, check and balances with the hospital pharmacy QA processes, and quality management reviews. Veterans and family members deserve to know what happened, and no one who has fought for this country or their loved ones should have have to endure this type of tragedy and that was from Dr. Glenn Snyder 
the director. The VA said that the agency has since made a number of improvements, including increasing care coordination between providers, improving awareness of endocrinology referrals, and evaluation in training all nursing staff on diabetes. This this is particularly um, interesting to me because um, when I was in the hospital this past year with mm-hmm. Millie, um, I had three separate nurses ask me how to do my insulin. Wow. Because okay. they didn't know how to handle a diabetic. Hmm. That's scary. I was in the high-risk ward because wow. I have been type 1 diabetic. So that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Especially with the level of diabetes in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane that we have nurses that don't know the general level of information about it. Right. That's terrifying. And I mean, I get, I, I get that we have, I get that there's a nursing shortage, but we can't fast track people to the to the point that they don't know how to handle likely the number one health threat in this entire state. Yeah, I mean, because it is my my grandmother died at, I believe sixty six or sixty seven um, from severe complications with mm-hmm. with diabetes. Now she also had you know some other some other health factors that that went in there, but uh, you know. Now this is kind of scaring me to think that maybe it was because they didn't know how to treat her. Maybe they didn't know what to give her, when to give it to her. Now, she was type 2 diabetic, which is different from type 1 right. diabetes, obviously. But uh, the the idea that when you said that, that they were just, I mean, yeah. they had a cart that had insulin on it, just walking mm-hmm. around the hospital and nobody so watching it. So was, it was in a room. Gotcha. Like, it was like a medicine cart mm-hmm. and it was in a room. And she had access to that room, oh but the cards weren't locked. No way. So mm-hmm. you, you had potentially deadly medication just open and available to, to someone who, A, wanted to do something wrong, clearly, mm-hmm. had had very nefarious intentions. And you not only that, you had you had you had that stuff around people that didn't know how to use it, which is almost as horrifying. Insulin's not regulated in the state of West Virginia at all. Wow. You don't have to have a prescription to go to Walmart and buy a vial of it. Okay. That's why it was so difficult for them to track this. But yeah, like, the fact... They crashed me twice. My sugar got crashed twice in the hospital while I was under the care of people who should have known how to take care of me. Okay. And there was an incredibly knowledgeable nurse who I literally, I don't know her name. I never got to see her because I was in surgery. Mm-hmm. But had she not been there while I was in surgery, um, I wouldn't be alive because my sugar crashed and she just went and got the glucose and started pumping it into me. Wow. Yeah. So okay. it's, this is really personal for me for more than one reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so the FBI agents aren't entirely sure where she got her insulin. Um they said it could have been the medical carts, but also she could have gone to any Walmart and gotten it, which mm. that's where I get my insulin because yeah. it's way cheaper to just go buy a vial of insulin from there than it is to get a prescription and go through the whole thing. Like, I mean, significantly cheaper. So not only is it great for me, but it's affordable for people who want to insulin dose people, I guess. Um and you don't have to have a script for it because it's unregulated. That is, and I'm sorry to put it the, this way. No, go ahead. That is the easiest way to kill someone I've ever heard. 
Yeah, it really is. That's, I mean, that's disturbingly easy Mm -hmm. to kill somebody with that. So, while the FBI agents were reviewing patient files, they found that she just walked the hospital ward late at night with a bedside um, glucometer, and one night she had checked one of the patients 12 separate times. Now, I don't know if you have any idea how frequently you need to do that, but it's like maybe every hour if you're really monitoring somebody. Like, for me, they woke, when I was in the hospital, they woke me up every hour initially after Millie to see what my sugar was because they were trying really hard to monitor it. Mm-hmm. And because I was coming down from my pregnancy hormones, your sugar goes insane. Like, you, you can't just control it. You have to watch it like a hawk because it'll either spike or it'll drop. And so they were checking me every hour on the hour through a night shift 12 times for a single patient because you're talking what eight eight hours even if it's 10 hours that's way more than you than you should I yeah mean, that's well and i had different nurses rotating constantly mm-hmm. so it was almost never the same person who took my wow. blood sugar so her doing that is really bizarre there was another night she told the nurse's station that a patient's blood sugar had dropped and that she was finding juice to bring it back up At the time, her attention to blood sugar didn't raise any alarms. West Virginia, like we said, has a really high rate of diabetes, so frequent checks really aren't that unusual. And we talked about it not being a controlled substance. Um, You can just go get it at Walmart for like $25 for a vial. Yeah. It's it's simple. Um, Yeah, it's easier to get that than, I mean, my asthma medications, you have to go through, I mean, a lot to get your hands on. Yeah. And that's, that's asthma medicine, you know? The, you're talking about something potentially far more deadly yeah. uh, than, than an inhaler that I could just... You, you, man, I could leave right here, right now, drive to Walmart and say, I want to buy some insulin, and they would just hand it to me. That's... Um, you can get it in the curbside parking now. You wow. You can just pull in there curbside and say, hey, I'm here. Um, I want this specific thing. And they'll come out and charge your card and give you your insulin, and you can go. You don't even have to walk in to get it. Oh, wow. Which isn't... Like I said, a problem. It's super convenient for someone mm-hmm. like me, but or or for someone who's older and has trouble walking. You know, yeah. that's that's nice for them too. Yeah, like yeah. I've got like I've got Millie. It's so much easier to just call and have somebody bring out my like you know really important drugs to me. But it's it's just bizarre. I mean, the least they can do is monitor the frequency that people are doing it. Um, so they can look for potential patterns where someone is abusing something they like this. Don't wow! Do any of that? Okay. Um, so they'll so they'll monitor you know what we say on social media and block us from getting on planes. But you can buy as much uh, potentially deadly yeah. insulin as you want. Yes. <laughs> and nobody cares. Thank God you know what books I'm reading at the library, government. Uh, <laughs> so what the hell, dude? On that point, determining who may have accessed the insulin was a challenge because the VA doesn't actually require surveillance in their hospital wards and only uses it in general areas like parking lots and hallways. The investigators learned of Rita Mays um, being the only staff member that was working on the day of all of the men's death, and that's kind of where they picked up on it and went, oh, I think we have a person to look at. At the hospital, what she did was stuff like changing sheets, helping bathe patients, And frequently, she had to do what's considered a Mm one-on-one, where you sit with a patient and monitor them for a certain number of hours, um, because they're either lonely people or they're like me, 
and have to be monitored really closely. Sure. Within days of opening the investigation, Mays had been fired from the hospital. So you're talking about somebody that a lot of these people probably would have trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the care worker who was coming in and sitting with them, changing their sheets out, keeping them company. The That's thing, disturbing. Well, and the thing about her is she was 46, so not quite middle age, and she was a veteran. Not even going to touch that. Yeah. There's so much that... Yeah. Mays initially denied having any involvement. She was born in Reynoldsville, West Virginia in 1975. She is a West Virginia National Guard veteran who served from November 2000 to April 2001, and then again in February of 2003 to May of 2004. And um, she was in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Prior to beginning her employment as a nursing assistant for the VA, she worked as a corrections officer for the West Virginia Department of Corrections at the North Central Regional Jail between 2005 and 2012. While she was there, um, and this doesn't have anything to do with anything, and I don't even know that this is something that we need to even cover. (laughs) I thought about not because she... Due to no ability for cooperation, they um, actually dismissed the trial entirely. But one of the inmates took her and several others to court um, and filed a lawsuit for um, being beaten and abused. Well, that that in light of what we know she did, I yeah. think that that definitely deserves to be talked about. I mean, it was, like you're saying, dismissed, but at the same time... Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, if somebody's being taken to court again by you're you're because I I want to stress that you're talking about someone who's in a position to where they are supposed to be caring for people, and and they're and they're showing some some pretty bad signs of either not being able to do that effectively, and potentially much much worse. So yeah, I think it's definitely worth pointing that out. Exactly. Um. Rita Mays worked at the VA since um, 2015, so she worked there for two years before ever starting any of this. Some of her duties included measuring patients' vital signs and blood sugar levels. VA nursing assistants are not qualified or authorized to administer medication, including insulin. They're also um, not required to have a certificate or license as a condition of their employment. So, (laughs) I just, I didn't have any idea about that. I, I could didn't get either. a job at the VA. I don't have yeah. certificates. I, I I could too. I mean, I could just apparently I could go to Walmart, pick up some insulin, and run <laughs> over there and, and be a nurse, uh, or, or being you know nurse's assistant. Nurse's assistant. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I, now that said, all of this is from like 2018, 2019, when all of this is going on. Yeah. So I don't know if they've updated, and I hope I'm they sure have. I'm sure they have. Yeah. Um, if I were to find out that they didn't. I, I, so I might dedicate this podcast moving forward to getting them to change their uh, their rules because yeah. that's horrible. She was a person of interest from the beginning as she had access to the patients, to the insulin, and was assigned to the victim's rooms on her overnight shift. All of their evidence was circumstantial, but after Mays was removed from the 3A ward, no more killings happened, which... Unless you're just really setting somebody up is a pretty great indicator that um, you maybe were the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The U.S. attorney, Bill Powell, said 
there were 20 suspicious deaths at the medical center during the time that Mays worked there. However, they only brought the 10 cases where the government felt it actually had sufficient evidence to court. Um, The second degree murder charges that she did inevitably get involved um, Robert Lee Kozel Sr., Archie D. Edgel, Felix Kirk McDermott, William Holloway, Robert Edge Sr., George Nelson Shaw Sr., and Raymond Golden. And again, I want to say their names because this is such a... Is that is that seven? It was seven. Seven. So seven. she was found... So Whoa. she was charged for the murder of seven people. She... The charges she ended up facing were um, seven um, second-degree murder and one assault with intent. So she has seven life sentences and an additional 20 years for the assault. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because the the gentleman did die, and we'll talk about him a little bit here later. Um, he did pass away, but they didn't have sufficient evidence because he passed away within two weeks of the incident. Okay. To say that what she did was why he passed. Was the cause of death. Yeah. yeah gotcha. So... The first interview came right after investigators came to the hospital um, and they recorded their conversation. A special agent interviewed Mays for an hour. The result was a denial of involvement, but they wanted to leave the door open for any further discussions. Mays complained to them about being overworked, pulled from her ward, and too many responsibilities. At times, she cried, saying that things were being missed in connection with the patients and the low blood sugar levels. Immediately after she left her first interview, Mays went back to her workstation and started researching new jobs. Some of the investigative work included listening to hundreds of phone calls that she was making to her husband, who was in jail on pornography convictions. She would call him almost every morning after her night shift, and some of those conversations focused on what had happened at work. In one of the calls, Mays told her husband about one of the patients she was having trouble with. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I had to take over sitting in one of the one-on-ones so one of the other aides could go out and work the floor. And the one I was sitting with, I wanted to freaking strangle. Investigators said that this call was made the morning after one of the blood sugar episodes. Another call was even more detailed. Mays complained to her husband about her arms being sore because she was doing compressions on a patient. She said the call could have been avoided. He couldn't do anything else himself. He had to be fed everything. He had no quality of life. And last week, if they would have just said DNR, he would have went to sleep with his sugar when his sugar dropped to 30. He would have just went to sleep and not woke up. We checked his blood sugar in the middle of the code, and he was 258, so it wasn't the blood sugar this time. Months later, the investigative team interviews Mays again. The circumstantial evidence was still piling up. Her Google searches included information on notorious female serial killers, and her Netflix viewing included the show Nurses Who Kill, where one of the episodes focuses on insulin killings. You're talking about things that they watch and track that we do. Apparently, Netflix is up there, and um, I'm on a watch list. (laughs) 
Oh my god, so she was watching, so she was researching famous female serial killers. Mm -hmm. And she was watching Nurses Who Kill episodes about people who killed using... Insulin. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that part. I knew, there's a lot of this I knew. I didn't know quite how many charges she got. I didn't know that part. Yeah, so I vaguely knew about it because when she was finally sentenced, I was so annoyed that they did a plea deal. I understand why they would do a plea deal. Yeah. But I don't feel like it was enough. It wasn't. No, there's not there's not enough that that she could get for this. Yeah. So she she spoke with a, the special agent in this interview for 5 hours. She could have left at any time, but she didn't. She repeated many of the things she said in her first interview, and when the agent presented her with additional information, she denied it. The agent said Today, I'm telling you the opportunity you're passing up. So tell me what happened. I want the truth. I will treat you as I'm treating you this very moment. Nothing you say will shock me or cause me to treat you any differently. But after today, I can't make that promise to you. Maze went completely silent and shut down. And then left and went back to her workstation. She didn't give them any more information. Directly after she goes back to her workstation... She began looking up information on the book, I'm Dead Now. And um, that book actually leaves instructions to family members for after a person dies. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder, and I don't have any way of knowing this unless we spoke to her directly, if she was considering suicide at that she point. Does, I mean, that's that's immediately where, where my mind went to. Me too. She was, like, yeah, suddenly all of the, uh, the glamour she thought it was... The, the glamorous life of a, of a famous female serial killer didn't seem so glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> because she was staring down the barrel of uh, some serious some serious charges. Yeah. More than a year later, the investigators um, interviewed her for a third time. They told her to come to the office to pick up a cell phone that they had taken with a search warrant. When she got there, they asked if she wanted an update on what was going on with the case, and she did, so she agreed to speak with them. This time, a different agent um, had been prepped for the interview. This woman had a similar background to Mays, including spending time in the military. This interview lasted six hours. She was presented with a lot of patient information along with the accusation that they thought that she was responsible for the deaths. The investigator asked, will you let me help you? And Mays said, I don't know how you can help. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Northern West Virginia um, and the team of FBI investigators had put together such a strong case of circumstantial evidence that Mays commented, looking at this, it does look like I did it. Directly after this interview, she went to the Clarksburg courthouse, which just wigs me out because I don't like telling people how close I live to that, but like, yeah, wow. Um, but she went to the Clarksburg courthouse to fill out an affidavit for a court-appointed attorney but unfortunately couldn't get one because she hadn't been charged and she hadn't been named a target in a letter from the investigators. So once the investigators actually learned that she went to try to get an attorney, they sent her a target letter, which is a little ironic yeah. and funny. Um, like, oh, this is what you wanted? Gotcha. Gotcha. Here um, you go. Go ahead and go get you one. Within weeks, she had three different court-appointed attorneys. She was offered a plea bargain, which she accepted, and is now serving seven life sentences plus the additional 20 years. Um, U.S. District Judge Thomas Clee said, you are the monster that no one sees coming. 
in an interview with Mays after her guilty plea um, was it was included in a report that released in it she says she administered insulin to patients she believed were suffering so they could pass gently she also said she had great stress and chaos in her personal and professional life and that her actions gave her a sense of control she said I know that there are no words that would alter the family's pain and comfort I don't ask for forgiveness because I don't think I could forgive anyone for doing what I did. And that's all I've got. She went to jail. She got caught. Yeah, um, she was convicted in, I think it was May of last year, 2021, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, because, I, I yeah, I, I remember when she was convicted, too. I was irate. Yeah, it was... You know, I didn't. I didn't know the scope of, of what she did. And it's really weird, because I've always wondered... You, you know, you watch these documentaries about, you know, Jack the Ripper and all these serial killers and how they how they put like communities and cities in in the grip of fear. And I've always wondered what would it be like to live in an area with an active serial killer. And, then and we who did. who know who knew that we had mm-hmm. that we and and who would have ever that suspected that it would have been that person who was doing this i mean i never would have suspected anything like that because you you go to your old lady yeah army vet yeah who was working at the va because you Mm -hmm. you hear va and to me i always think oh you know that's some of the best health care you could get i mean they're they're going to be taken care of they have you know all this money from the government pumped into it you want to think they will but i don't know that they are no, the VA has such a bad reputation. And it's not mm-hmm. just this. It's everything from uh, deliberately making patients wait, um, uh, scandals about the way that they handle mm-hmm. the, the money that comes through there. I mean, it's, it's like every other week I hear something about the VA. So, I mean, this one, yeah, this one is... Oh, I know. ...is wild. Uh, yeah, and you and I briefly talked about doing it last week when yep. we covered Leah. Yeah. But... um I wanted to be the one to cover this one yeah, because it, I agree. it struck such a nerve with me. Well, that that and your you know your family is from this area, so mm-hmm. I mean it, it makes sense that this would be, uh, you know I I chose Huntington because again my my mom was an active college student in Huntington and that the one I the story I told was about a college student who was murdered in Huntington. Yeah. So it's it's one of those it's just one of those things that like you said it just hits close to home. And you don't realize you you don't realize how I mean, how like, close people like that are to you. All um, I have to like all I can think is what would have happened if my grandfather had been admitted to her ward. I know. Like, and and you wonder too how many times did how many times did you go to McDonald's drive through and she was sitting in the car in front of you or something like yeah. that? It's it, just right there in plain sight. She wasn't very smart, I'll say that, but she was smart enough to get away with it for a year before anyone noticed something weird was going on. I just... that That's what boggles my mind. How did she get... How, you know, you see, if it happens twice, you're like, okay, something's up here. Something's wrong. Three in a three-day span. In a three-day span. And that was midway <sighs> through. It wasn't even, like, at the end. That was in April. And is there is there and, and I'm not saying that this would in any way make it okay. Is there any because what you're telling me is so her her excuse was and I heard that excuse too was I thought they were in pain and I thought it'd be easier for them to go that way. They were all getting better. They were all on the road to recovery, from my understanding. None I mean, of them obviously were. not the dementia patient. Yeah. He wasn't entirely on the way to recovery, but yeah. It's just bizarre and 
I think I think it was less that she thought they were in pain, and she just thought that would make it look better on her. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. No, I mean. Um, I'm just saying you can blow holes in everything the woman says. Mm-hmm. In everything she says, you can find a hole. Because I don't. The one thing that I think was accurate was she found a sense of control. Oh, yeah. that's See, that was the part that stood out to me, too, because that's, that's what serial killers are all about. It's control. It's control yeah. over someone else. You don't have any control in your life. You were left... Um, you were left, uh, I, I guess the best way to put it is handicapped in everything that you did. Like mm-hmm. someone else was in control of you all the time. So you find a way to control other people. And that way is, is through murder. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I think the next episode is going to be about the crime that Kelsey has committed on this half a chicken. Because uh, there is nothing left. Yes, it's there is. Gone. I just found more. I know. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, this was this was a heavy, heavy episode, and you'll notice that we actually went with uh, two episodes in a row about West Virginia. My next one will branch out from West Virginia again, so make sure you tune in for that. Mm-hmm. But then I do have a very good West Virginia episode, I think, coming up soon. So remember, you can always find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts. We're also on... What's the radio one? iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. You can also find us. I think the my favorite way to listen now is just our Facebook post that has it embedded. Um, it's super cool. I really like Apple Podcasts, too. That's Apple Podcasts is pretty That's what, I, that's what nice. I use just yeah. because I can tell my phone to bring it up. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just listen on the Facebook one because when it pops up, I can just hit play. It's mm-hmm. so easy. Uh, but either way, listen to it wherever you want, however you want. If you want to download it and... Uh, Put a lot of tape and put a little Walkman and listen to it that way. Uh, go ahead and do it. Yeah, Just review whatever. us, share us. Please. Um, uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook for sure. Are we still on Instagram? We're technically there. We're there. Follow us there too. We'll try to keep it up. But uh, we've been we've been keeping up, I'll say, Twitter and, and Facebook a lot more. Yeah. So uh, I will say our last episode got the most hits of any episode we've ever put up. And 100% super... because of Hello Vietnam. Yeah, Hello Vietnam. I'm giving you shout another out. shout out. Yeah. You guys rule. We're, de- yeah. we're definitely going to do. There are some restaurants that are earning a part two review. They are the first one that I think definitely has earned a part two. So, guys, uh, again, this has been Main Corpse. Make sure you tune in next time. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I think I have one that's good. I'm really excited. Well, stay creepy, guys. Yep, and remember, TNM Barbecue and Grill is where we got our food from today. They're at 795 West Main Street, Bridgeport, West Virginia. Uh, Go give them some love on Facebook. We're certainly going to. All right, have a good one.